Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code Locked On. You'll get $10 off your next order. So a lot to get into today. Happy Twitter Thursday, everybody. We will get into your questions in segments two and three here. But to start the show, there's a ton of news. Some of it happening as we're hitting record here, Matt. A new tight end market has been set. I want to start, though, with the bad news. Get that out of the way first before we start talking about some of the new contracts that have been paid out today or are rumored to be imminently paid out to some star players around the league. Uh, Howard Mudd, who... A long time offensive lineman, offensive line coach. He was an all pro, uh, former player, dies at the age of 78. And I just wanted to mention it. I mean, Howard Mudd was literally the guy who wrote the book on offensive line play. Yeah. And he's well known, from what I understand, as being well ahead of his time and one of the very innovators of the. Shanahan zone blocking, you know, a lot of it back then was going low. I mean, they've changed the rules at that point. Beloved guy, um, one of the greatest. If there was a Hall of Fame for assistant coaches, I mean, I think he'd be one of the early induction type play guys. Mm-hmm. And I've never met him, but I've heard many, you know, glowing reports about him and what he brought to the game. And the history of the NFL can't be written without mentioning his name. And for people who don't realize it, I mean, it's a little bit of a generalization, but offensive line coaches are kind of like their own cult. Well, mm-hmm. Howard Mudd was like the the president of the fraternity, from what I understand. What was the name of the Browns offensive line coach who got famous during hard knocks because of his big old gut? And he would say, hut, hut, and his whole gut would move. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. He's very jiggly. He's, <laughs> he's no longer oh, like, their offensive line coach. Right. I forget who they hired, but they up... Uh, he's the new line coach. I should notice off the top of my head is beloved is also a a major, major, well known member of the uh, established O line crew. Yeah, but I only remember the big guy's name, Bob Wiley, because it's the go. same night. That's it, uh, Bill Murray's character. And what about Bob? <laughs> that is a good pull. <laughs> That's uh, a fantastic yeah. pull there. Yeah, and and an awesome movie. Love that one. Yes. Um, yeah, in, in, there's and I think it's an underrated part of every coaching staff in the league. And once a team gets a good one, they tend to stick around for a very, very long time. Yeah. I always say this. If I were in charge of building a team or if I was a head coach right after I hired my head coach or while I sat down interviewing my head coach, priority number two would be getting the best offensive line coach I could. And I wouldn't hire somebody as a head coach unless they had someone in mind to be a great offensive line coach. Yeah. It's like, forget who your offensive or defensive coordinator is going to be. Who's your offensive line coach going to be? Yep. And I'll pay him whatever you need to get him. (laughs) Sad news. Unfortunately, that Howard Mudd had passed away, one of the all-time great offensive line coaches at the age of 78. There is some massive news happening around the NFL, Matt, that we have to talk about. And there's been a lot of hand-wringing in San Francisco. 49ers fans worried about a deal getting done with George Kittle. Well, now it looks like it is happening. According to Ian Rappaport, 49ers star tight end George Kittle is in an agreement on a five-year, $75 million contract extension, sources tell me, and Mike Silver one that gives him more than half of it in guarantees, which is key. Language is being worked out. Numbers are there. One of their top players, this was a big-time priority. And it uh, looks like an $18 million signing bonus. We'll see exactly what 
I mean, I'm, I'm guessing 2021 might be a little lower than it jumps up. And, and guarantees are huge, too, because if Kittle's camp wanted more money, um, you know, $15 million that $0 are guaranteed is a lot different contract than $15 million per year when many of those years are guaranteed. So it'll be interesting to see how exactly the numbers play out. But George Kittle getting locked up $15 million per year. Uh, I think it's a, a steal for the 49ers at that price. And, and based on what you talked about last week with George Kittle potentially being the most valuable non-quarterback on offense in the league, uh, you probably think it's kind of a steal for the 49ers at 15 mil per year too. Yeah, I mean, I do believe that he is the best, most valuable, hardest to play against, hardest to defend offensive player in football that's not a quarterback. And for what they got him at, and you know it's better than anyone, the extreme value he has to that team, I think Niner fans should be like, great, that doesn't destroy our cap. We keep this good thing going. He's instrumental to our success. I think he's the best tight end in football. It's a bigger conversation, and we've had it before. Paying tight ends right now is odd. You know, like as great as Gronk was, he didn't get paid what he truly was valued. And mm -hmm. it's kind of taken a while until this comes around. But the, the Niners had a huge trump card in their hand. Like we talked about this during Aaron Donald negotiations. If, if you're going to pay Aaron Donald or George Kittle the average of the top five people at their position, well, that's a, a small fraction of what he's really worth. Absolutely. And if you believe pro football focuses grades, he was the highest graded player at any position in the NFL last year, a 95 grade, wow. which is a crazy high grade for PFF to give out. Uh, not only as a receiver, he set the all-time, not this year, but the year before, set the all-time record for yard, receiving yards by a tight end in a season. And then he had a 79.8 run blocking grade since 2018, according to PFF, with which puts him you know, as far as run game specialists at the position at the tight end. So you've got your guys who are the best run blocking tight ends in the NFL that are block only or block first tight ends, sixth offensive line types. He's doing both of those things at that level. I mean, that's that's pretty crazy. So that's the value. Also, his attitude. He's a heart and soul player for the 49ers. So I said all along, if he gets less than 16 mil per year, it's, it's a steal for the 49ers. It's a fantastic deal. And it looks like he's going to come in at around 15 million per year over the course of the next five seasons. So. You know, it's tough to get a contract done in this era of COVID this season. So I think that might have hurt his market a little bit, but love the deal for the 49ers here for George Kittle. Five more years. And maybe this is more of a tomorrow conversation or whatever. But now that we know who's opted out, we know the cap can't go below 175. We know there's no preseason, probably won't have fans. We're starting to, and they've also opened up the rules of allowing undraft or, or guys that aren't on teams can now visit the clownies of the world. And you yes. know, we'll talk about Everson Griffin in a minute. I'm starting to read the tea leaves that the NFL isn't real financially worried. And, <laughs> you know, again, this is a bigger conversation, but I, I hear rumblings that we might have football on Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, Monday night. Well, that cap isn't going to get hit too bad if you get that kind of TV contract. Right. That 2022 new TV contract will fix a lot of ills with whatever happens uh, over the next two calendar years as far as NFL dollars go. And if the 49ers are handing out $18 million signing bonus to George Kittle, they must not be too worried as a franchise about not having any fans in the seats this year monetarily. Right. I, I really think that we're going to see more and more signings, extensions, and that tells me the owners know a thing or two because they always do. 
And, you know, do you really think CBS wants to play more reruns of Law and Order on Friday nights and Saturdays? <laughs> That's and a great point. They're not, yeah. making any, they're not making any new TV, you know? I if mean, there's, there's nothing yeah. new to put out. They'd love to put football there. If there's no college season, 100% guarantee NFL games are happening on Saturday. I don't know if the union will let them do, you know, more Thursday, Friday stuff just to, you know, they don't want to shorten the week, I'm sure. But Saturdays is definitely happening. There's no reason yeah. it, it shouldn't. I 100% agree. And that's a lot of money. And here we go. So George Kittle gets his deal done. And that made things very easy for Kansas City and Travis Kelsey. According to ESPN's Jeremy Fowler, Travis Kelsey and the Chiefs have agreed to parameters on a four-year contract extension that would tie Kelsey to the Chiefs for the next six seasons. Money not finalized, expecting to come in just under Kittle's $15 million per year. And as soon as I saw the Kittle deal done, I thought, well, that makes things easy for... Travis Kelsey to say, okay, well, let's wait a year and then I'll ask for 17. Now that, thanks, George, you just set the new market. And uh, it, it was, I was going to think it, you know, maybe it would be a situation where the Niners got out in front before that new tight end market got crazy. And then everybody who comes up for it can, you know, beat Kittle's number. But it sounds like Kittle's going to come, or it uh, sounds like Kelsey's going to come in maybe just a hair right at or just a hair under Kittle, which is interesting. Maybe Kelsey's yeah. saying, you know what? Maybe George is the best tight end in the league. I recognize that. So give me a 14.9 a year. Right, and I think it's a good deal as well. I think the strike when the iron's hot. If I was, you know, Kelsey's agent, it's the exact time to do it because Mahomes' contract hasn't kicked into ridiculous proportions yet. You're a key, key member of the team. You're in it to win it, to back to back, or maybe put a couple a string and win the, several Super Bowls over this contract stretch. I mean, that's obviously the 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 goal here, um, and. He's a little different. I mean, he doesn't block anywhere near Kittle, and frankly, he's not much of a blocker anyways. But they don't ask him to be, and he fits what they do extremely, extremely well. And something we talk about a lot is tight ends often take a little while until they hit their stride in the league, but the great ones play a long time too. You know I mean? I know Kelsey's not a young player, but he's showing no signs of decline, and history shows that that position – Hangs on for a while. I mean, the Gonzalez, the Wittens, the Gates, the Heath Millers, I mean, on and on and on. Gronk, I mean, Gronk's maybe not the best example of tight ends that once they get it and know the nuances of the position, they remain highly effective even when you know, Jason Witten hasn't been able to run for three years. There's a reason tight ends make good coaches as well because you have to learn so much and there's yeah. so much nuance to playing the position. And one thing I'll still give Kelsey is still better a route runner than Kittle is, and that's – and that's an yeah. area that Kittle can still, with how athletic he is, uh, he can still get more refined and a little bit smoother as a route runner and get even better, which is kind of scary for the league. Right. I think it, Kittle's only getting better. Kelsey's probably hit his peak, but he's plateaued at a very high level right now, too. So the tight end market officially reset. George Kittle and Travis Kelsey going to be about 40% over the top of the next highest paid tight ends in the league, a little bit more in line with where they should be, even if still slightly underpaid. One more signing we need to cover, but Matt, all that big news in the NFL today, the biggest news of all right now, Built Bar is back. Yeah, Bilt baby. Built Bar is back. We did such a good job on the network of selling Built Bars that they literally ran out of stock and had to redo everything. So they came back strong now. New look packaging. Uh, they have the same original 12 flavors. I always talked about how my favorite flavor was that peanut butter brownie, Matt? I don't know if you had a, a or mm-hmm. the, the peanut butter good. and the peanut butter brownie. I don't know if you had a favorite flavor. That's a strong choice there, and I am a fan. Like I said, now I'm out and about a lot more. I'm always looking for a good bar to get me by while I'm on the you know before I can get to dinner. 
uh, while I'm on the radio, in the car, quick and easy. And Bilt Bars are perfect for that. They're really good. Absolutely. It almost ruined my quarantine workout situation because I had a really good situation going where, you know, I could skip a meal here, have a Bilt Bar, do a workout, do a run, bike ride or whatever. Six new flavors, though, to look out for from BiltBar.com. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream. We've got lemon almond cheesecake. We've got carrot cake, apple almond crisp. It's crazy. Mm. Built Bar is great for the health conscious person out there. Lose or maintaining weight, low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. Great for keto diet. 19 grams of protein in that peanut butter bar, only 180 calories and only five grams of sugar. Some bars lowering calorie. Cookies and cream, only 130 calories. And... I didn't know a that. special Cookies offer. Cookies and creams would be popular in my house. Oh, okay. There you go. Uh, Built Bar giving away free cooler with purchase while supplies last. Those will go very fast. Go to builtbar.com. Use promo code locked on. That's promo code locked on to get $10 off your next order. Promo code locked on for $10 off at builtbar.com. Last one here before we hit those Twitter questions, Matt. The Dallas Cowboys have signed a defensive end, Everson Griffin, to a one year contract. Uh, a friendly deal here for the Cowboys for a starting caliber defensive end in the league. If I'm not mistaken, he made your top 25 defensive ends and they're going to get him for a deal. That's uh, I think incentives even needed to get it up to about $6 million. Yeah. I like this move a lot. Um, a lot of ripple effects here. And now that they have two of my edge guys and they had two last year, Quinn Quinn's gone. He's now a bear and they have two of them. Um, they've been very active with their defensive line lately. And I think it's an interesting conversation. I pulled up their depth chart right now. They signed Gerald McCoy, Don Terry Poe. They drafted Tristan Hill in the second round last year. They drafted Neville Gallimore, who was a little shot glass as long as he did in the third round this year. That's their defensive tackle core. Lawrence is a fixture at left defensive end, and he's the straw that serves the drink. And Tyrone Crawford, who I know there's a, a, a Twitter question about, is a quality player, but now he can be your third end. He can be the kick inside guy, get Poe off the field, put Crawford next to McCoy. You got Lawrence, McCoy, Crawford, and Griffin as your front four. I mean, I love that. Uh, they're, they're linebackers. Van Der Esch met a, missed a lot of time last year, but they're one of the best groups of linebackers in the league. This front seven is really, really solid. I kind of like Bradley and I, who they use a fifth round pick on too. throw him in the mix, bring him around slow. And Alden Smith's still looming out there. Yeah. I mean, he's the huge wild card, but you never know. So they have a lot of brand name guys, young, early picks. Um, and I thought when, when Nolan took over as defensive coordinator, history shows that they would probably blitz a lot more. That's his history compared to recent years for the Dallas D. I don't think that's the case. I mean, I think the secondary needs help. So you'll be dropping those linebackers in coverage a lot and bring in your front four, which is pretty stacked right now. It's a good team. Absolutely. And they don't have to rely on Alden Smith. Randy Gregory looks like he's not going to get reinstated last mm -hmm. I saw. So, you know, solidify that defensive line. It was a big piece that they needed, I think. And, uh, you know, obviously cheap on a one-year deal for the Cowboys. No-brainer move to me. We'll see if Clowney is next. Twitter Thursday. Let's get going on this. Uh, top five yeah. Led Zeppelin songs, Matt. I know you're a fan of Led <laughs> Zeppelin. This is from JDS. This is the the knowledge about us personally that longtime listeners gain. JDS predates me here uh, as, as, a, as a frequent tweeter into your show, Matt. Top five Led Zeppelin songs. Whew. They're definitely my favorite band. 
that's a difficult thing to pick because everything's good and there isn't one that stands alone. There is for me, though, 10 Years Gone is number one for me. Um, in the Light, I would say, is probably number two. These change by the year, though, and anytime I hear any Zeppelin tune, it would probably go right up the list. Um, one that's kind of odd that whenever I'm asked this question that I have very high on the list is, hey, hey, what can I do? And there's a reason behind it, because when I was a kid or when I got into Zeppelin, early teens, you know, 11, 12 years old, I had tapes and then I went to CDs. I was like ahead of the game. I got CDs. And hey, hey, what can I do was not on any of the CDs. So the only time I could hear it was on the radio back then. So it was like a super treat that I didn't put physical graffiti in or Zeppelin II or whatever and play them until the CDs couldn't, you know, wore those tapes out, <laughs> yeah. CDs out. Hey, hey, what can I do? It was a single and you couldn't get, you couldn't just buy it at the iTunes store back then. So when I heard it, it was a treat. So that one still remains in the lead in that conversation. Stairway to heaven needs to be brought up in this conversation for me though, because it's widely considered by everyone to be Zeppelin's biggest tune. It was their biggest hit. It was seven minutes long when on the radio, you couldn't have seven minute songs. So when they do countdowns, it's always at the top of the list. But the cool Zeppelin fans will be like, yeah, I can't pick Stairway. It's too mainstream. Yeah. <laughs> I still pick Stairway because Stairway's awesome. All right. I'm not afraid to say it. I, I love it. That's a great list there. Um, uh, there's a question here from Chargers for Life. He says, where would you rank the Seahawks safety unit before, then, after the Jamal Adams trade? And this is coming from a Chargers fan, so I'm wondering if he's thinking, okay, do the Seahawks have a better safety unit right now than the Chargers? I would say yes, although Derwin was my one. Adams, I think, was my five. I don't have that in front of me. Diggs, who's Derwin's or who's Adams' sidekick, was my 26, who just missed the list. Blair's also a good player. And I think there's going to be a ripple effect that we haven't talked about with the Adams trade. Is I think Blair's often going to be the single high, Adams will be the strong, and Diggs will be the slot corner their slot corner situation was a huge problem last year but they couldn't let Diggs do it enough because they need them at safety they didn't have the extra safety so they're they get better at two spots by this trade at strong safety and slot corner I know that's not exactly what you asked me so if you look at my safety list and you can find it at pro football network, there's a lot of teams that are represented several times. I mean the Bills come to mind the Saints um, but still, the Vikings are still number one for me. I mean, it, it massively helps. Did you see actually Greg Williams talking about Jamal Adams since the trade? No. I believe this was either today or yesterday. And I mean, Greg Williams is, if you listen to this show, you know that Greg Williams is my least favorite coach in the NFL. <laughs> yeah. uh, and just classic Greg Williams, like the least likable guy you could possibly have. He... He's like, well, yeah, I don't think Jamal's going to have much fun in Seattle. He's not going to be used in all the ways we got to use him. And so uh, just kind of a nice little dig out the door for Jamal Adams, who's now in Seattle. I, I can tell you a Greg Williams story off the air, but then there's – I love <laughs> hard knocks that year, and he's telling the cameras, I turned down eight jobs. Oh, yeah, that. the head coaching – he's like, yeah, he turned down head coaching jobs, he said, right, to, to wow, be a defensive yeah. coordinator to eventually get fired from that job too? Yeah, that's awfully nice of him. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, <laughs> amazing. All right. 
Let's finish up Twitter Thursday. More questions about, uh, oh man, all kinds of things here that we'll get into. Gardner Minshew, we're looking at Josh Rosen. We're, we got questions about uh, Mahomes, Dalton, Trubisky. I mean, I don't even know where some of these questions are going. So we'll hit those next. Might have to carry some over tomorrow too. Yeah, we could hit some of these Friday. Absolutely. Twitter Thursday, coming up. Here's one from Barry. He says, you've talked about the Dalton line before. But should Cincy have drafted a QB high in the draft when he was at his peak, say Mahomes in 2017 or Teddy Carr in 2014, how quick do you give up on an average quarterback or one that is not progressing quickly like Trubisky, Darnold, Allen? Well, I can answer that shortly, Barry, in saying, yes, they should have drafted Mahomes in 2017. <laughs> but right. uh, I, I think the question here is more about um, you know just the idea philosophically about when you realize you have an average quarterback, try to start finding a, an above average quarterback. Yeah. It, 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 I'm glad he mentioned Dalton too, because back to our Cowboys Griffin conversation, obviously I meant to say this earlier, the Cowboys are in it to win it. I mean, you don't sign Andy Dalton as your backup. I mean, every Griffin, every move they've made, they look at themselves as a Super Bowl contender and we'll get to my power ranks soon here in the next couple of days. I think they are as well. Anyway, that's a great conversation. You know, the the Matt Schaubs. I mean, I call it quarterback purgatory. I mean, your boy Alex Smith was kind of in that range for a while. I bet some teams worry that Jimmy, Kirk Cousins, are is that quarterback purgatory? Where they're good, Kirk Cousins is an ideal one. And those guys are better than Dalton. You know, I know there's that Dalton line that people call the Mendoza line. I see that Dalton line as... If you're better than him, you're good enough to start in the NFL. But I think there's also a line of better quarterbacks than him. Again, Kirk Cousins, Carr. I know you don't think Jimmy's that guy. And deep down, I don't either. But I think there's question that he could be the quarterback purgatory. Good enough. I can win with them. But when do I pull the trigger on getting better? Mm -hmm. And that's a really tough thing for And How much do I pay them? How much do I invest around them? Do we go with that guy and just load him up with weapons left and right? And usually that's the case. Or do I take a first-round pick on a guy, you know, like the Chiefs did when Alex Smith was playing really well for them? And I tend to think that if you're confident that you can upgrade your quarterback, you do it no matter what. And that's usually a draft day decision, right. a round one decision. And that's the cheapest so, way to do it in the draft. Right, so, right. When, like, that's the way to do it. You look at the Bears, and you think you have, even if you think you have a really good quarterback, and you see the Bears with Trubisky, then all of a sudden you realize you don't, and it's like, okay, well, now we've got to overpay for just a mediocre quarterback to bring in some competition, and it just it, it doesn't really ever work out great. So as soon as you mm -hmm. recognize that this is not going to be a star quarterback, Go find quarterbacks. And look, you can flip quarterbacks. Go go find a backup. And we saw that with New England, and they did that with Jimmy Garoppolo. And we've seen uh, a number of teams do that where you can get some value in your backup quarterback too, not only somebody who could potentially be better than your starter if you're not sure about your starter or someone that you could eventually flip because quarterbacks are just, they're, they're too valuable. So for a team like the Bears and a team like, Cincinnati for so long to have ignored the position I think is inexcusable because that position is just too value you too valuable I mean you you try to get lucky go draft yourself a Gardner Minshew every year and see if you see if you hit on one yeah I mean that's an old um you know Green Bay Packer way of doing things even with Favre and Rodgers they would basically draft somebody every year and had Mark Brunel and Hasselbeck and guys like that they got for nothing 
the turn and the, you know, the Patriots did that for years too. I mean, think about all the guys they've drafted Brissett and Hoyer and, you know, Jimmy, even when you have the best guy on the planet, they're using second, third, fourth round picks on prospects and flipping them later or having insurance. There is an old adage. I mean, this, this is why I brought up the Packers that you should draft a quarterback every year. So, that guy might not make your team, but especially now with expanded practice squads, like just keep bringing them in. And if you find a Dak or a Russell Wilson, let alone a Brady, what a home run hit that. I mean, that's something that ch- it changes the whole mm-hmm. franchise. I mean, so I'm with you on that. I mean, I'm trying to think of who's a team and the Browns kind of come to mind. Like what if Baker struggles this year and they win five games Pull the trigger on one of these guys at the top of the draft, you know, and or even in the middle of the draft. Bakers, yeah, because even in the middle of the draft, it's not like you have to yeah. get rid of the quarterback you currently have just because you drafted a third or fourth round quarterback, right? So, right, spend some resources on it, and it's super cheap, and it's the cheapest thing you can do to help your franchise is, is hit on a, a quarterback, whether it's the t- number one overall pick or on day three, and that kind of ties into this question because. Um, Barry, originally, he mentioned Darnold, and that's an interesting one because where do the Jets go with Darnold? He hasn't had a great opportunity, really, so far in New York, and if they have another bad season, which it looks like they're going to this year, if you're drafting number one overall, it it makes it a lot easier. We saw that with Josh Rosen, and it ties into Joshua's question here, who said, is it too soon to name any of the 2018 first-round picks a bust? Roquan Smith, Josh Rosen, Hayden Hurst, Taven Bryan, Rashad Penny, those guys stand out for Joshua here. Uh, On that note with Josh Rosen, I could see some similarities with where Rosen was. It was only one year with Rosen, obviously, but to go back and have a top 10 quarterback and then draft one number one overall for the Cardinals, it turned out to be the right deal. They didn't just sit there and say, ah, well, we drafted the quarterback, so we have to wait on this for three or four years to find out. They were proactive, and worst case, they have two amazing quarterbacks, right? And so valuable. You can flip a quarterback for any position in the NFL if you have an amazing one. And so I look at that with Darnold, too, and it'll be an easier decision for the Jets if they're sitting at number one and you can draft, you know, um, you can draft Lawrence or you can Trevor Lawrence is there at number one. It makes it a lot easier if you're drafting, you know, number seven. It might be a little bit more difficult or at least draft a guy in around three or four. Um, I just think it's a no brainer there. Yeah. And this year's rookie class that just came in, I didn't think there were many fourth, fifth round picks that have a chance to light it up. But, and the Bills would never admit this. And I don't think that that's the, the priority, but maybe Jake Fromm's that guy. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. you don't see them coming when they come. No one saw Dak coming. Right. Maybe Jake Fromm's that guy. How about those busts? I mean, Josh Rosen is looking like he's going to bounce out of the league at this point. So I think you would have to consider him a bust. The team drafted him top 10. And right now he's not even starting over a journeyman like Ryan Fitzpatrick in Miami. Got a chance to see him. And then they spent a top five pick on a quarterback. So Josh Rosen, uh, I think it's fair to call him a bust at this point, even though the book is not done on him. Uh, Roquan Smith, Hayden Hurst, definitely not calling them a bust yet. Rashad Penny. Absolutely. I hated that. And, uh, I hate Taven, that pick from start. Uh, Taven yeah. Bryan too. Taven Bryan and Rashad Penny. I'm like, just, like trade away your first round pick. What are you doing? Spending it on those players? Yeah. Um. I guess Penny's the one I would most classify of the ones you mentioned. That's not Rosen. But back to our quarterback conversation. If you're in charge of the Niners, I'm in charge of the Steelers or whatever. I would sign Josh Rosen for nothing. You know, like oh, I'm yeah. a fan of bringing in high pedigree dudes. Like the Steelers have Paxton Lynch. 
they have nothing invested in the guy, but you, he's in camp and there's ability, you know, at an important position. If you do that 10 times over 20 years, you might hit on one. And it'll be amazing to see whether it's Darnold or Josh Rosen. It'll be amazing to see potentially if, if they get uh, moved along from the current team they're on to another one, if they get put in a situation where they have a really great quarterbacks coach, really yeah. get great coaching staff in a, in a good situation. All of a sudden their second year there, you're like, Oh my gosh. Okay. This is actually a really good player. You know, it, it takes a village as we say to raise a quarterback and uh, Josh Rosen and, and um, Sam Darnold were not put in the best villages to start. No, no. And I worry about Haskins and some of these others too. I worry about Burrow and I hope he can get over that too. Uh, Baker's village has been on fire for a while. Um, but history shows that there's been a lot of quarterbacks that their next stop was much better than their first one. I mean, even a guy like Vinny Testaverde, he was first picked in the draft to an awful organization. Um, Jim Plunkett, I think, was one of them. Even Drew Brees. Like, Drew Brees is a good charger, but he was a lot better saint. That's very true. Last one here, and this finishes up that conversation about quarterbacks from Joshua. How well does Gardner Minshew have to play for the Jags to not pick a quarterback in next year's draft? That's a really good conversation, too, because I don't – Minshew could be – it goes back to the same conversation. I think Minshew could be on that Kirk Cousins level. And do you – are you going to dedicate $30 million a year to a middle-of-the-road starter if that's his ceiling and draft the awesome left tackle from Oregon or – whomever at the near the top of the draft, they chase young, like pick. I don't know. I mean, I, 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 to answer this, I don't know how you answer this question because I don't think he can play well enough Yeah, <laughs> where you just don't consider it at all. It depends. You know, like yeah. if you have, again, it's sort of like the jets. It depends where you're picking who's on the board. If there's a no right. doubt franchise guy at number one, uh, Gardner Minshew almost can't play good enough. And I don't think the Jaguars are good enough for Minshew to play at a level where you can't consider drafting a quarterback no matter where they end up picking. Yeah. I mean, I think Minshew could play well enough and kind of already did that he might be a starter the rest of his career, you know, and he could do, he could uh, affirm that this year and play well enough, but I don't think he can play well enough that I can't take Lawrence. I totally agree. I think that's a great yeah. place to end this one. Thank you for all the questions out there. Matt and I will be back to finish the week. Friday with the number of yeah. things that we could talk about, Matt, you still have some positional rankings, linebackers. You've got your latest power preseason ranks. power ranks that we can get into maybe some overflow Twitter questions as well. Uh, sure. I'm sure there's some news that's going to break for tomorrow as well. So we'll get into any and all of that right here. Locked on NFL.